Welcome to Locked On Kentucky, your daily Kentucky podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm Curtis Birch, host and producer on News Radio 630 WLAP, the home of the Cats, right here in Lexington. And I'm Kyle Tucker of The Athletic, and together Curtis and I are here every day, Monday through Friday, talking to Cats. If it's a big deal to the Big Blue Nation, you can hear it right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. This edition of the show, we are going to talk about Reed Travis, and that's the big topic. That's what we got to talk about, guys, because uh, it was announced today that just a few minutes ago, actually, Kyle, the knee was just a sprain, and they expect him back for the SEC tournament and possibly earlier. Um, so a situation where his season might have been ended if the if the um, knee injury was more serious, it doesn't. It kind of seems like a best case scenario. Yeah, I mean, given given the situation, best case scenario, they'd certainly rather not lose him. But certainly, the fact that it's not a season ending. And that not only will they have him back for the NCAA tournament, but prior to that in the SEC tournament uh, is pretty big because, um, you know, one thing that I've been thinking about since he went down last night is like whether this is season ending or just a scare, this whole deal is kind of a reminder to people of like how valuable Reed Travis is, which I think maybe gets lost sometimes. Um, you know, people un- – uh, undervalue him i'm stumbling over my words there but uh or overlook him because of some of the other guys that they have but um reed travis is has been huge for them and you know they don't win the tennessee game without him and i think that's the you know in the in the immediate it hurts him that he probably won't be back for that tennessee game or it's going to be tough i would think for him to be back for that tennessee game you certainly don't want to rush him back uh, the rematch in Knoxville next Saturday, uh, because you know while PJ Washington got all the headlines, I mean John Calipari was the first to say like the reason why is because PJ Washington took on Grant Williams as a defensive assignment and and uh, you know collided with him all night and that was a very physical matchup and uh, took a toll on both guys and wore down Grant Williams and it also allowed PJ Washington to have more energy and be freed up to really attack on the offensive end and do what he did there, scoring 23 points. I don't think that happens without uh, Reed Travis, and and I don't know that they can replicate that. They have plenty of other big guys, and this is a great opportunity for EJ Montgomery and Nick Richards. But those guys aren't like Nick. I mean, aren't like Reed Travis. We talked about it. Like you could argue that Reed Travis was was maybe brought here specifically to beat Tennessee because he's perfect for that matchup. So that's going to hurt for them. Uh, but if they get back for a third matchup in the SEC tournament, you'd think he'd be available, and that would be big. The key thing is that you're going to have him, though, for the postseason. Yep. Um, Kenny Payne, uh, before this is kind of like, uh, I don't know, foreshadowing. Is there, what's, you're the writer, Kyle. What's the word for like dark foreshadowing? Is there such a term? You know, I'm trying Well, there's macabre? foreshadowing, for, uh, foreboding. There's pre- you know, there's pre- yeah, foreboding. Yeah. Uh, Prescient. I mean, there's a lot of words. Um, it certainly um, because it certainly uh, feels like he was looking into the into the the glass. Yeah, because I have the, the quote uh, here, and, and Kenny Payne said, "I can't imagine Reed Travis not on this team and what he's meant. Imagine being at Stanford <laughs> for the last two years, averaging 20 points, eight and nine rebounds. You come here, your numbers aren't the same, but your impact on the program is more. Uh, and thankfully, you know, his season isn't going to be over." Uh, but that is just kind of a 
it, it was just kind of jarring because that when when his knee uh, kind of buckled there, that quote just immediately popped into my head, uh, and it it shows how much Kenny Payne understands how valuable Reed Travis is, and I think almost everybody does, even though his numbers aren't as impressive as B.J. Washington's, but uh, his impact on the court is, is nearly as much. One of the things is just kind of really steady, you know, consistency. Like, you know, so many guys on this team are up and down. Um, and always they always kind of are on Calipari's teams because they're young. Over the last nine games, he's had at least seven rebounds in eight of the last nine games uh, before he got hurt the other night. He scored in double figures 14 times. He's had at least eight, at least eight points in 18 of 26 games. So it's like he's always giving you something. And then in the big games – 22 and 7 against Duke, 20 and 7 against North Carolina, 17 and 7 at Auburn, 21 rebounds total in two games against Mississippi State, 18 and 12 against Kansas, and then the Tennessee game where he has 11 points, eight rebounds, two blocks, and really went to work physically on Grant Williams. I mean, all of those big games, he came up huge for them. Um, and I just, it's funny, it's, I feel like we forget about Reed Travis sometimes, and I think him tweaking that knee has reminded everybody like he's huge to this team if they're going to go far in, in march uh they certainly need reed travis yeah i don't think there's any doubt about that um so let's let's start kind of looking at the impact on the upcoming games uh ej montgomery and nick richards now going to have to play more minutes and i was when Derek terry was on the podcast last night i kind of made a joke that i before the missouri game was saying that E.J. Montgomery should get Nick Richards minutes, and then immediately Nick Richards comes out and has a phenomenal first half. Now, both guys were struggled in the second half. I think the only stats Nick Richards put up in the second half were two fouls, um, and E.J. Montgomery, I think, only had one rebound the entire second half. So neither of them performed well in the moment when after Travis went out with the injury. Um, but what do you expect from those guys now that they kind of know they're going to be dependent on Kyle? I think they'll play well, at least one of them. Um, and, you know, here's the thing about them. In, in small doses, they've actually been very efficient. Now, the, the concern for them is fouls, and we'll talk about that in a second. But over the last five games combined, uh, they have 42 points and 41 rebounds in 114 minutes. That works out to 14.7 points and 14.4 rebounds per 40 minutes over the last five games out of those two combined. Um, that'll do. You know, Reed Travis's per 40 averages – uh, are 16 points, 9.9 rebounds, and one block. And the whole season, not just over the last five games, EJ and Nick's per 40 are 12.4 points, 11.1 rebounds, and 3.7 blocks. So not as much scoring from them. Reed Travis has been really good at powering those shots up and in over through contact, getting the and ones, uh, more so than Nick and, and EJ. But more rebounding, about 1.2 rebounds per 40 minutes more from EJ and Nick, and way more block shots, 3.7 per 40 between the two of them to 1.1 for Reed Travis. So there's some things they'll do better than Reed Travis, but I, you know, I think sometimes they're certainly more lost on defense uh, than Reed Travis, who, for whatever his athletic limitations are, um, he, he always kind of knows where he needs to be. Um, you know, I think they're, they're, they're clearly going to lose some things, but they're also going to gain some things. Very few teams in America, I would say almost none, could lose a guy like Reed Travis, who was a McDonald's All-American high school many years ago, and a you know two-time Pac-12 first-team player 
who's been great for you. Basically, uh, he's basically at a three-time all-conference level uh, talent. Lose him, and then your two options to replace him are a six-ten and a seven-foot McDonald's All-Americans. Uh, so they're certainly not hurting um, for potential down there. I just the question is, can one of them figure it out? either totally or can they alternate, you know, because that's kind of what we've seen from them is the light goes on and off for EJ and Nick kind of back and forth. It's been rare that they've played really well at the same time, but as long as one of them's playing okay, I think Kentucky can survive this stretch without Reed Travis. But I mentioned earlier the fouls. Well, hold on. Let's let's wait and talk about that in a second because we do need to talk about uh, this edition's sponsor, which is, Kyle, your favorite spot, First Watch. Yeah, man, it's uh, it's it's always been. Uh, I think people people might be tired of hearing me talk about it, but it's always true. Uh, been a great spot for our family, and uh, the breakfast is great. The lunch is great. There is no dinner. Don't show up at dinner. But the 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 breakfast, the lunch, and the brunch um, are awesome. Pancakes, French toast, uh, anything you ever craved at breakfast time. The million dollar bacon, which is basically candied bacon. Uh, Never get enough of it. My kids now have started eating it. Uh, I didn't like to give it to them before, uh, but I can't keep it away from them now. Uh, and nobody uh, there that works there ever gives me uh, crap about my kids throwing things on the floor. They're always really great. The service is awesome, and they take good care of us. It's, it's, a, it's a pretty great place. My wife loves to take her clients there for lunches, so check it out. Just don't show up at dinner. Yeah, and all the ones in Lexington are locally owned, so go check them out. Uh, open from 7 a.m. to 2.30 p.m. every day. Uh, there's also locations in Louisville and Cincinnati. So if you're in those areas, you can also check out your local First Watch. Yeah, it's fresh. You are Locked On Kentucky, your daily Kentucky Wildcats podcast. Foul trouble, uh, Kyle. Kenny Payne talked about it tonight. He did the coach's show, well, the second half of the coach's show, because John Calipari was out recruiting. We'll talk about the recruiting in the last segment, I think, um, that he was doing tonight. Uh, but he, he talked about uh, a caller actually was asking, basically saying, Nick seems to pick up all these bad fouls. Do you guys think that he's actually not fouling? And Kenny Payne kind of chuckled, and he's like, no, he's fouling. <laughs> he's committing these fouls. Um, but what are you seeing for uh, the foul trouble with Nick Richards? Yeah, I mean, between the two of them, they have 103 fouls in, uh, let's see, what are their minutes? 103 fouls in like 640 minutes. Yeah, 103 fouls in 640 minutes between them. Reed Travis has 61 fouls in 720 minutes. Uh, so he's he's played about 100 more minutes, and he has 40 fewer fouls, <laughs> or 40 41 fewer fouls than uh, Reed, uh, Nick Richards, and EJ Montgomery combined. So. Uh, it's a concern, for sure. Um, you know, in particular, Nick Richards, 52 of them in 279 minutes. I haven't even done the I, – I, I meant to calculate. Let me do, it, do the math really fast. 52 divided by 279. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, bum, bum, that's bum, bum. seven seven point five fouls per forty minutes. 
That's a lot of fouls. That'll foul you out. Is that right? <laughs> I don't know. I was making the the Jeopardy noises. I wasn't yeah. trying to calculate yeah, anything. It, it, yeah, I did it again. Seven point five fouls for forty minutes, and then let's see. EJ Montgomery is, uh, well, that's not it. Fifty one <laughs> divided by three. Said like two two point four million. Uh, <laughs> that's a lot of fouls. five. Yeah. Not very good for you, Montgomery, either. 5.7 fouls per 40 minutes. So both of those guys so, will be fouling out. Yeah, yeah. That uh, And that works out, you know, combined to like, what, 13 fouls per 40 minutes? Yeah, that's um, crazy. Not good. Not good at all. I mean, we've, had, we've seen games where Nick Richards has, you know, four fouls in eight minutes. Uh, that's going to have to change, obviously. I mean, that's the one area where they could really get in trouble. Um, you know, if both get in foul trouble or one is in foul trouble and the other isn't playing well, what do you do? Um, I, I do think, we haven't mentioned this, but I do think I'm, I'm relatively confident we'll at least see some of this, at least an experimentation of this uh, with Reed Travis out, and that would be P.J. Washington at the five and Keldon Johnson as a small ball four. And PJ would be a small ball five. I, I think um, one that could be a preview of how Kentucky plays some next season, depending on if they can get some more big men, because they could be a little bit small. But also a preview of kind of what PJ Washington becomes in the NBA. I mean, people have talked about Draymond Green, be Draymond Green. Well, that's kind of what he is. He's a he's a small ball five at times. Has been at, in Golden State. And I think I think depending on who you're playing. I mean, if you're playing a LSU, you can't get away with that with all their length, but uh, you can in several matchups, I think, get away with playing some stretches with Keldon, who's 6'6", six, 6'7", six, six, ish got long arms uh, at the four, and PJ at 6'8", uh, with a 7'3", wingspan at the five. I think you can get away with that. And, and also, it can make Kentucky really fun. Like, I mean, they they could get out and run, and, and well, that's what, um, offensively, yeah, that's be what I- really fun. I was I was thinking the exact same thing, Kyle. You know that they might get try to get out in transition a lot more uh, because and, and this isn't obviously they've been effective the last few weeks. They looked like a great team. Um, you know, with the I mean they had the loss against LSU, but other than that, what uh, what's their record in the past fifteen games or whatever the how far you want to go back? Um, and so what they've been doing has worked. Uh, but when you lo- lose Reed Travis, who was more of a like half court player to a certain extent. You run more, and I think the guards will probably, you know, they're not happy that Reed Travis is gone. But if they get out and get it, get to get out in transition a little bit more, that could be a bonus for some of those guys. Yeah, I think so. Um, you know, I, there may be some more shots to be had uh, for some of the perimeter guys. I mean, if you wanted to see Keldon Johnson get more shots and Tyler Hero get more shots, I mean, I think there's an opportunity for that now. And and also, I mean, we may see, you know, we talk, I've, I've been on the P.J. Washington for SEC Player of the Year train. I mean, it's kind of on him now, and there's a chance for them to really just go all, in, go all in on playing through P.J. He could put up some monster games here. Certainly there's more rebounds to be had. Yeah, that, yeah, there definitely is, unless Tyler Hero just starts stealing them uh, like he did uh, against um, – Tennessee, he was taking them from PJ, according to PJ himself, said that he was stealing rebounds. And then was it the end? I think it was the end of the first half where he jumped up and grabbed a rebound right before time expired. So shout out to Tyler Hero for boosting his uh, rebounding stats. 
Um, we're, let's take a quick break, Kyle. Uh, coming up next, we're going to do a, a quick recruiting update that I don't uh, is is interesting on a couple of levels, and it's the reason that John Calipari missed his coach's show uh, today. You are locked on Kentucky, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. So John Calipari was out recruiting on Wednesday night, and he had to record his segments on his coach's show, Kyle, because he was out visiting a talented big man who is currently in the 2020 class, but there's a possibility that that could change. Yeah, Isaiah Todd, a five-star kid in 2020, going to be like 6'9", 6'10", kid, uh, power forward, who uh, I think it looks – it's looking very much like he's going to move to 2019. And, you know, everything I've gathered from talking to some recruiting people this week is, you know, if Kentucky offered, they would immediately move to the top of his list. Well, they just did, um, Kyle. You might right. not have sent those tweets. that they. No, oh. I, I, I did see that. Yeah, they, they went to visit oh. him, clearly made the offer. Uh, and so, you know, having having just talked to some people about that, that Kentucky would move to the top of the list if they offered, I, we can then, I think, assume that they have now moved to the top of uh, his list. And, and I, I think he's probably, at this point, the most likely next – uh, commitment in this class, and I'm. Uh, I'll, I'll have some more on their recruiting uh, later this week, I believe. Ooh. But um, yeah, I think Kentucky's getting some momentum back, and I, they're they're certainly not going to be shut out uh, as the as the spring signing period comes. Uh, and I think they may end up signing multiple five star guys still on top of the guys that not not even counting Khalil Whitney, who committed way back when and still hasn't signed. I don't have any reason to believe he's shaky at all i think he'll sign in the spring but not counting maxi or whitney i think there's a couple more five stars potentially kentucky could add to that list so um i think they're you know we know they've picked up some momentum with keon brooks uh i still like their position with matthew hurt as i've mentioned before um who has some connections friends with tyler hero and then you know i think isaiah todd now kentucky has probably moved to the front of his list as well so um, Kentucky will not strike out in the spring signing period, and they're going to be. You're going to. This is uh, breaking news. Kentucky is going to be loaded again next season. Well, I mean, if everything goes the way you shake, you say it will, Kyle. But that's not everybody's well, not think, signed. <laughs> I think if they, I think if they don't get any more guys, they're going to be loaded next year. What if everybody goes pro? Well, then they won't be loaded okay, next year. There we so. go. Well, so hey, I'm just trying to keep you in line, Kyle. I don't want you speaking out of turn. Um, but the most important thing about this whole recruitment of Todd is the fact that there was a picture circulating the internet tonight, and it was with Cal and Todd, and John Calipari got caught because it was a full vertical photo, and he was on his tippy toes. Ha! That's great. I'll have to <laughs> check that out. Uh, that's, that's very funny. But I would stand on my tiptoes too if I was always posing with these six foot ten dudes. You ever seen? Um, you, I'm sure you've seen it. Even around media, where uh, on like the red carpet and things, and where athletes are around, there's those stools and people just like stand up on them, <laughs> and you're like talking. Yes. And when it looks like it on TV, you don't know it. You're like, hey, that guy's kind of tall. And then he's they're not at all. They're standing on like fourteen phone books. Yes. Yeah. Good. Good anecdote, Curtis. Um, I am looking at the SEC scoreboard, and we should mention Florida now in overtime has taken out LSU. 
told you about LSU. So, yeah, you told me they were about to go down, and they did in overtime, 82-77. And so Tennessee back in first place. Kentucky now tied with LSU in second place. And if Kentucky can make it unscathed through uh, next weekend, they'll go to Tennessee to try to create either a two-way or three-way, depending on what happens with LSU, tie for first place. But uh, the SEC regular season title very much up in the air again. LSU kind of controlled its destiny uh, and now now does, definitely does not. I mean, I know you, you said you can't control destiny, but uh, anyway, it certainly makes the SEC race more interesting. Uh, you know, I don't know. I mean, I guess this keeps Florida sort of alive for an NCAA tournament bid. Yeah, I was looking at their um, schedule. If they went out, they're in. Cause they th- they're 15 and 11. They're 7 and 6. Uh, Auburn is up huge on Arkansas right now. Ar- Kentucky plays, Arcan- plays Auburn Saturday and Arkansas the following Tuesday, both at home. At halftime, it is 45 to 20. Auburn over Arkansas. Uh, would I hesitate to call that a ball game because last time I was looking at a score, a huge blowout in game, uh, Duke came roaring back and beat Louisville. But it certainly looks like Auburn is going to come into that game Saturday on a on a high note. Auburn will get above 500 in the league with that win. They'd be seven and six, and 18 and eight overall. Auburn had largely tanked since Kentucky went and won at Auburn, um, but. Assuming Auburn finishes that off, it'll put one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, eight teams in the SEC above water, above 500 in league play. Um, I'm guessing they're going to get six, I guess seven teams in the NCAA tournament. That would be my guess right now. Uh, and I think Florida will have to do some work, but this this win tonight over LSU gives them a shot. All right. You wanted to talk about something on the podcast, Kyle, that had really nothing to do with anything, but you found it amusing. Do, you, do you, Would you like to discuss John Feinstein Twitter? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, just I just thought that was so funny. Like, I guess for like the last three or four days on Twitter, John Feinstein, who's, been a, you know, a famous sports writer, a very good sports writer, a guy who's written some really good books about sports, uh, but an older member of our uh, profession, who I and he does I guess on the side like some he he works now I guess part time for the Washington Post he's essentially I guess retired semi retired but also does some radio work for Army football which makes him a bit of an Army homer I guess and he showed that by lashing out at the is it Bill Bill uh, Connolly's yeah SB Nation on SB Nation the some people are familiar with. Basically, these power rankings that it's all built. He built an algorithm. Uh, Connolly did a very smart guy. It's just a computer model. It's like Ken Palm for football, um, and it doesn't profess to be you know all things, the be all end all. This is who's definitely the best. It's just one metric of of measuring teams, and it's a computer model, an algorithm. Like the data is input, and it spits out a you know a ranking. And they put out like they're they're going into the 2019 football season rankings, you know, already based on that system. 
and I don't know where Army was, 100th, I don't know, somewhere below, well below where they finished lately and where Feinstein wanted them to be. And he just went on this epic Twitter rant, trashing how dumb this guy was that put these rankings together. And it's like just a fundamental misunderstanding of the fact that there's not a guy who did the rankings, a guy who built a computer model and the computer spit out these numbers and they have no bias and they're not, uh, and they have no lack of intelligence. They're just based on this set of criteria. This is where they, where teams stack up. And first it's funny first because you have sort of the, the crusty old sports writer arguing with an algorithm, but then also the way he just proceeded to go nuclear on the human beings on Twitter who were trying to tell him that he was arguing with an algorithm and not a person. Uh, and he has kept it going for days. Five so, days. That's good stuff. Here was his initial tweet. Stuff. I just noticed SB Nation has its preseason rankings up six months prior to the season in college football. Army is 80th. What the hell has that guy been watching? BTW, Air Force is 90th and Navy 118th. Seriously? Yeah. Yeah. He did. He just completely missed the point. And yeah. uh, that guy hasn't been watching anything. There, it's a computer. <laughs> <laughs> I just that, that whole story really cracks me up. I kind of got caught up on it today, and I just very much amused me. Yeah, and I mean, he's been going back and forth with like, what is an insult? What is a personal insult, and what isn't? Which I love when you get into the semantics of those kind of things. They're 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 funny. Um, but the tweet I sent you that was that was the all timer. Um, someone quote tweeted him where he was continually trying to defend that, as you laid out, like he, I knew it doesn't matter if I'm arguing against a computer, it's still dumb. I guess that's kind of his point. But anyway, someone said, sometimes it's better to just take an L and stop replying to people. The only way this will end. And that was quote tweeting a Feinstein tweet. And he replied to that with, I'll take the W. Thanks. <laughs> I'll take the W. Uh, yeah. I don't want to be an ageist, but at some point, you might be too old to be on Twitter. I don't. I don't. I think that's that's. I'll say that that's not true in the sense that as long as you don't get into long, drawn out replies, conversations, you're never too old to be on Twitter. Like John Calipari. Well, he John Calipari's not a good example because he's not technically really on Twitter. Um, but you know, I think some older folks there's. There's very various members of Congress who do great things on Twitter, just tweeting out stuff. You know, those kind of things. They're old, too. That's true. That's true. Yeah, yeah. I, like I said, I shouldn't be an ageist. I, I, it's really just one guy being a, a kind of a nitwit. Yep. But funny. I enjoy it. I, I, I mean, I guess it's good when people don't know how the Internet works, try to use it, because it does entertain the rest of us. That is very, very true. All right, that's going to do it for this edition of the show. If you didn't listen to the last edition of the show, you should go check it out because uh, we shared Kyle's interview um, with John Calipari on how he changed as a coach and kind of as a person. You should also read Kyle's piece on The Athletic uh, where he also talked to Dan Wetzel and um, John Chaney about Calipari um, changing as a, as a person because that was part of Rivalry Week and Kyle... Because since Kentucky was facing off against Missouri and Auburn in this rivalry week, <laughs> he had to take a different approach, and he took an awesome one and looked back at the 25-year anniversary of the famous John Cheney interrupting a John Calipari press conference um, and how that relationship has grown and changed 
uh, throughout the year. So go check that out. Um, follow along on Twitter. You can find us at Locked On UK. You can find the show on Facebook. Just search Locked On Kentucky. You can follow Kyle at Kyle Tucker underscore ATH. I'm on Twitter at Curtis Birch, B-U-R-C-H. Uh, thanks again to this edi- this edition's sponsor, First Watch. Go get you some breakfast there. Please rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. And shout out to J underscore K who left a review. Said, really enjoy the consistency and focus Curtis and Kyle bring to the podcast. Locked on Kentucky has rapidly become a fixture for me every week. Uh, we might have kind of let you down on the, the focus of this one because we've been all over the map. We've been distracted by the Duke-North Carolina game where Zion Williamson has apparently gone down with an injury. We'll update you well, guys hold on, on what? Hold, hold on. Before what? we go, not just maybe an injury. He exploded his shoe. Yeah, I know. His it's, whole shoe exploded. Uh, I don't think I've ever seen that. Like his shoe just disintegrated on his foot, which, boy, is that bad for business. <laughs> well, depending, Nike. it depends on which business you're looking at. Well, yeah, I mean, like, for Nike, the shoe disintegrated on his, I mean, you know, he's what a massive a, human, and we, we've seen he could deflate a basketball, but I, I'm, I'm like, mesmerized watching this in just re, re, perpetual replay, the shoe exploding. It just falls apart. He takes a step, and his shoe falls apart, and then his leg falls apart. I think he had he limped off, and uh, our friend, our friend Kyle Mann makes a good point as we're in our group text. Uh, if he's seriously injured, it wouldn't surprise anyone if the uh, revisiting of the one and done rule gets moved up the NBA's docket, and they get right to that because you don't want to lose a generational talent because he had to play one year of basketball in college yep all right i've said all the goodbyes and then kyle had to add something so we'll talk to you guys later you are locked on kentucky available on apple podcasts google podcasts or tell alexa or google to play podcasts locked on don't worry i won't finish you get the idea florida just went up six with 24 seconds left oh wow so there'll be a tie a three-way tie for first is that right Three-way tie. Skyline three-way. Oh, no. Actually, Tennessee's still in first. Oh, yeah. Tennessee. But they'll be back in control of their own destiny. You can't control your destiny, Kyle. Yes, you can. All right, you ready? Yep. EJ McGum. I'm sorry. Read that a little. Try again. Third name.